0: Another man is dead Why do you hate us so much, Mara? It isn't a matter of hate It is a biological obligation We're thinking of what happened to the others Then our actions shouldn't surprise you We have to survive no matter what the cost We are the only ones left now Well, I don't see why we can't reach an understanding Then why can't we just live together? If we coexist, we shall dominate That
1: is inevitable. Welcome to Screen Run. I'm your host, The Lady One, and I'm here with...
0: Chris Galzo. Is that me? We're talking about me now, right? That's me? Yeah, definitely. Okay, I get nervous every time I do this. Uh,
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is a show where you and I, Chris discuss the films of a particular artist or franchise, and in Season 3, we're talking all about the films of John Carpenter. Today, we'll be talking about 1995's Village of the Damned. And joining us is another delightful returning guest. It's Claire from W-Rated. Hi, Claire. Hello.
2: Thank you for
0: inviting me back. You're brave people. We we did go back and forth quite a few times. (laughs)
1: Ugh. We're, we're so glad to have you back and to talk about this little film.
2: Um, had had you seen this before? No, I had never seen it before. Um, I think my only kind of knowledge of it was that Simpsons parody episode. But <laughs> also that's kind of a parody of Children of the Corn. And then I yeah. did get, go back and forth for ages about which one's Children of the Corn, which one's Village of the Dead. Right. I
1: conflated them both in my head. I was like, yeah. "Weird, creepy kids in the middle of nowhere." Got it. Same thing. Yeah. So, but uh, honestly, had seen none of them until until this. So I've still <laughs> never seen Children of the Corn
2: either. It's. I mean, I've only watched it the once when I was about fourteen. You're probably not missing much.
0: <laughs> I don't think there's been a single good, really, Children of the Corn film, unfortunately.
1: No. Are there yeah. many?
2: Like, like children? five plus? Why did they yeah. Yeah. yeah, it
0: had a healthy run on your your uh, DVD. You got a straight-to-DVD runs for quite a while.
2: Mm-hmm. Hello. Yeah. But like, because yeah. it's an easy film to do because it's just kids being creepy, but it's, <laughs> easy, it's a difficult film to do well because they're meant to be violent, but you can't do that much violence with kids. So.
1: Yeah.
0: Have yeah. you seen Ooh. any of the original like the 1960 as well film?
2: I watched the 1960 Village of the Damned this morning in preparation okay. for mm. you. Yeah.
1: Out preparing me once again. I didn't watch it.
2: I felt like I was underprepared in that I realized this morning that this is only the third John Carpenter film I've ever seen, which really surprised me. I thought I'd seen way more. and I let myself down. What What are yeah, the so ones? this I've is seen? the part where yeah.
0: Chris gets angry. Go ahead. What have you? uh...
1: Where Chris judges you?
2: I've seen the two important ones. I've seen Halloween and okay. the Thing. <laughs> then yes. chris will chris will
1: continue to let Maybe. you be on the call
2: <laughs> i just i'm upset i haven't seen the fog and i'm upset that i haven't seen escape from is it new york's the proper one and nla's the shit one well, right we'll, we'll see something
1: <laughs> i i have ne- uh, well i hadn't seen either till starting this i'd only se- i've seen new york now and it underwhelmed me mm. so um. I don't know. But I, I did enjoy The Fog quite a bit. I would check that one out when you get some time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be my new task. Fog. Yeah. Yeah. Set some carpenter time.
1: Perfect. Chris, what's your history with Village of the Dead? I
0: did see this in the theater. And I thought you I did? caught it like on HBO or whatever once since then. And that's basically been it. So this is the first time I've watched it in a very long time. I do have the Shout Factory uh, Collector's Edition Blu-ray. I did not own it in any other physical media previously, though.
1: Is there a commentary on no. what you have? Oh. There's a
0: making of. Wow. Um, it runs about 40 minutes. Ooh. That's new to the Shout Factory. And the DVD actually has an audio commentary, but it's not by Carpenter. It's by somebody else, and I'm blanking oh. on the name. And I've, I've not. as like I said, I haven't Owned it in any other incarnation, so I've never heard. Yeah, it. I heard it's actually pretty it's good. The carpenter,
1: but... like
2: what? Who? I like a forty-minute talk, though. That's, you don't get that nowadays. Like that's good content. Yeah,
0: and it was pretty interesting. I did watch yeah. it, so I learned some stuff about the film that I did, was not aware of, which caused me to do some more digging. And it turns out there's some stuff about this Ooh. film that I think resulted in the finished product that I'm sure we'll talk about a bit.
1: yeah, you'll have to enlighten us some more so i have a little bit of detail i can share with everyone about the making of the movie and then we can talk about what you found out chris and of course the movie itself so i like to do
0: i know we i think this is my fault we never really nail this down but i like to do a proper intro so i want to hear about claire's show (laughs) w-rated and why you're so awesome that we you know we're always so happy for you to be back so tell us about your other show please
2: um, so my show, when, when we air it, is called W-Rated. Um, we watch the world's worst rated movies, and we are also the worst because we're terrible at consistently releasing things. Not
0: important but, in the um, podcast world
2: no no and we always come back with a bang um but so our aim is to watch all 100 films on imdb's bottom 100 list um but we like to get distracted by little side challenges so our most recent episodes we watched every film nominated in the 2023 razzie awards
0: um Ooh. which is
2: fun so there's lots of mini episodes about that and we try and be positive we look for the good in the films I was pleasantly surprised by quite a lot of the Razzie films mm-hmm. this year. There you go. Um, and I'm really hoping that we can finally do Britney Spears' Crossroads in our <gasps> next bunch of episodes, because I just want to revisit it. I remember it being a great day out at the cinema. Yeah. So when you
0: come down on the Razzie's, I'm in the abolish the Razzie's camp.
2: I am in the we don't need mm-hmm. them. But mm-hmm. I think the reason we are covering them is, again, to just be like, surely they can't be that yeah. bad. And let's try and be positive mm-hmm. and let's try and be happy um, yeah. and give these films a little bit of credence. Um, but they they occasionally occasionally are right. You know, I, I think I've made my thoughts on Tom Hanks and Elvis quite loud <laughs> to the world. And, you know, sometimes we <laughs> do get it right. Um, but yeah, they they're also learning they got in controversy yeah. this year because they nominated a child and they listened to the feedback and it, cause the thing was it wasn't the first time they nominated a child, oh. but it was the first yeah. time they apologized for it. And now they said they're never doing it again. So, you know, okay. everyone's Congress. growing. Yes. I feel
1: like sometimes they're just trying to be mean. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the only time I will, I'm okay with them being mean, if it's to somebody who's just been like overwhelmingly praised and then like, yeah, let's take him down a peg or two. Tom uh, Hanks thinking you know, he can do exactly. a southern accent. Didn't he learn after like the lady killers? Like, stop mm-hmm. doing that. Like just, nobody likes
0: like that. Taylor Swift, she yeah. should probably be taken down a bit too, right?
1: Don't talk about <laughs> Taylor Swift right now, Chris. We will end the call.
2: You see, this is what cats is on the list and I'm scared to cover cats. I'm still not seeing cats because I don't want to have to talk bad about Taylor.
1: She's not the worst part of it.
2: I can well imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's
1: she's she's not the worst part of Amsterdam either so I, know, I, I, I a... A
2: swiftly oh yeah. no pun intended swiftly avoided that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah good call yeah no it's uh oh Taylor and cats she does love cats though so we, we'll excuse the decision that she made because she's a proud cat lady and she had to do it
2: she wants an EGOT and she needs to learn that she's not getting the EGOT through acting. Bless her. And no. <laughs> for some reason, she's now trying directing. And I'm like, just team up with Disney and do yes. all of the music for an original Disney animation. Like, that yes. is how you get the Oscar. But yeah That's, that's a it. great idea. She won't let me on her team. So yeah. she's not getting that Oscar until she talks to me.
0: I'll see what I can do. <laughs>
2: Yeah.
1: We'll we'll put a word in.
0: So Juan, <laughs> tell me then, what are your <laughs> what's your info uh behind the scenes here of their creation, break it down for uh Village of the Damned.
1: So, I'm going to give facts first before I give Spin anything truth. that that can be skewed as shade. So, this is a remake of a 1960 film by the same name, and both of these movies are based on the 1957 novel The Midwich Cuckoos by John Wyndham. And Carpenter said that Universal was really aiming to remake this movie after the success of the 1978 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. In particular, the studio head from the 1960 film said that like, they weren't really able to cover everything that happens in the story because of censorship at the time. They couldn't even talk about pregnancy, so abortion was definitely out of the question. Uh, so they just really weren't able to explore all of the the original context of the story. And that was something that they were hoping to accomplish with this remake. Also, John Carpenter had fond feelings for the original. We've discussed many times on this season about his fondness for sci-fi movies of the 50s and 60s. And he said he saw the original when he was 12. He thought the blackout was like a really cool concept. And he was into one of the creepy children because he was 12. So it was okay. (laughs) <laughs> he was captivated by one of the creepy little girls. But he described his relationship with Universal as a good marriage, saying they had the same goals in mind. They knew the story they wanted to tell and that they treated him well. So that's good. Interesting. That's what he said at the time. <laughs> um, and again, just factually based here, the original film and the book are based in the UK But this remake was, um, it's intended to be, and it was shot in Northern California, similar locations to where The Fog was shot, which is actually where John Carpenter had a home. But the townies, not happy about that. And they were trying to disrupt shooting whenever they could. They'd run their lawnmowers, their chainsaws. They were just being a real pain in the ass. So they had to like pay off some of the townies at some point to just like stop being disruptive. So that wasn't, uh, wasn't really fun for him as much as he was excited to basically be like filming a movie at home. The budget for the film was $22 million. And according to Carpenter, this is a baby boomer, middle class kind of movie. Nothing wrong with that. I just hadn't done one of those in a long time. If you make a movie over $10 million, you got to reach the broadest audience you can. If you make it under $10 million, you can make it more quirky, daring, subversive. And that's, in his words, the joy of low budget filmmaking. So it did open in April 28th, 1995. It opened in fifth place, making only $3.2 million at the box office. It opened behind While You Were Sleeping in its second week, Friday, Bad Boys in its third week, and Rob Roy in its fourth week. And it finished just ahead of A Goofy Movie in its sixth week. So I love to give a context of what else was like in the theater next to it. Um, I just, I like a shout out to
2: Goofy movie as well. Loved yes. That film. was from her yes. center. <laughs> I,
1: I love that a Goofy movie was still in the top 10, six weeks in, like parents were like, just keep bringing the kids to season. Mm-hmm. Just shut them up. Yeah. Shut them up. So total box office run in the U S was $9.4 million, which with a $22 million budget it, is, it's not good because of the box office failure of the movie. Universal, no longer wanted to continue what was planned for a potential remake for Creature of the Black Lagoon directed by Carpenter. And that has still never happened. Still never remade that movie. So, okay, so yeah. that's
0: part of the issue, right, is that Carpenter and King wanted to go in and make that first. And they said, yeah. oh, we're open to you doing that. but We want you to do Village but of the first... Damn. Yeah. And he's like, all right, I'll do Village of the Dam* if I can make Creature of the Black Lagoon. Womp womp.
2: I mean, I'm yeah. kind of pleased it hasn't been remade because the original is so beautiful. But at the same yeah. time, I do want to see Carpenter's
1: version because that creature would be gross. Yeah. Yeah. So what did, what did you learn from the making of documentary, Chris, that that we haven't covered? Enlighten us.
0: That basically the film was butchered by the studio. That Universal yeah. came in, took control of the film, cut out a lot of the story beats that helped, A, mm. make things make more sense, and then B mm-hmm. develop the emotional stakes of the film and have you actually care about the characters. And by yeah. I don't know if we're just going for a runtime. I'm not sure. Uh but they ax all almost all the interpersonal stuff. So Christopher Reeves' hmm. character had a lot more personal development in regards to dealing with the, the suicide of his wife. Where A, not only is yeah. he responsible for raising this potential demon alien. Possession child thing, but he's also dealing with his depression and the loss of his wife, but also being angry at her for taking her own yeah. life, right? And that's basically entirely excised from the film.
1: There's none of it, and no. then
0: there's also more stuff with Jill and and uh, David. So Linda Kozlowski's character and David, the kid who actually mm-hmm. may be experiencing emotions. And, uh, a lot of that was gone. There's a lot of little couple touching moments between the two of them. There was supposed to be this thing where she would constantly kind of replay this melody that her husband played by Michael Paré, um, would always play. And they'd cut to, you know, they'd go back to seeing her at the house and she's kind of this slow haunting melody. And then there's a scene where David then plays it and says, oh, I remember you playing this when I was like in the womb type of a thing or something. Right. And they kind of have a nice bonding moment over that as well. I mean, lots of little things like that that they cut. And then the big issue I have, too, is there's supposedly a deleted scene where the kids Mm -hmm. come across a couple bullies in a playground. And the kids influence him basically to kind of start dancing around and then bite his own tongue off. And they filmed Ooh. it because there's a scene where you see where the kids are walking behind a fence around a playground and walking mm-hmm. through it. But, yeah. So there was a whole scene that was shot, but it was, it's was it gone. And,
2: well, because you, you also hear at one point being like, it, it's not okay for them to be around the other children, but they never talk anymore about that. She's just like, yeah. they can't be around It There was them. a
0: scene where they yeah. were all in class together with the regular kids. And yeah. uh, so there's lots of stuff that I think would have really added some depth to this film. But the studio comes in and makes some cuts for I don't know what, creates all these plot holes, damages the narrative of the film, and then tries to just churn out some, like, what, 90 minute kind of sanitized horror film. And it's just, the film suffers for it.
1: It's bizarrely sanitized, too, because you get, you kind of get the sense that, like, oh, okay, I'm watching it. I'm like, all right, th- so this is like, you know, TV friendly or PG thirteen or whatever you want to yeah. call it, and then at the end it's just like, nope, shootout, shootout, just squibs a fly in, and we're just like, a, like firing guns into people, and I'm like, okay, so why did we shy away from all of the violence before? what women's self I feel mean, yeah. them
2: building to the violence, so because I kept yeah. getting really like, oh god, something horrible was about yeah. to happen, like, uh-huh. and then so it kind of didn't, and I was like, yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. it's really it's disappointing, and it's, the film's not without its merits. I think the effects with the uh, eyes was really well done. Mm-hmm. I think the at the end when the when the kids really kick their powers into overdrive and they finally kind of reveal <laughs> who they look like, kind of under their skin type of a thing, I thought that was really well done. It's, you know, it's fine. It's it's just it's a really big missed opportunity, really
1: stupid studio yeah. once again once again um so i'm really confused by the sanitation that they did of it all when sort of the lead-in to the movie was right okay it's the 90s now we can really tell the story the way it was written in the mm-hmm. book in the way that the 60s wouldn't let us
2: and so then having i watched the 60s one today and i only yeah. watched this last night so i watched them very close to each other in yeah. comparison this 90s version has so much more it has like so much more context so much more violence so mm-hmm. much more just like emotion and characterization but i only feel that because i've now watched the kind of stayed 1960s one mm-hmm. watching the 90s 19- like i actually really enjoyed watching this and i had a great time watching it but it always sort of in the back of my mind Felt like a Lifetime movie, just with a bit of yes. violence. It felt like something that could be on at 3pm on the telly when the kids come home mm-hmm. from school. And it wouldn't scare them too much, but it would give them a little bit of the creeps. Well, and yeah. then your man impales himself on the broomstick into the car. <laughs> which was Things fun. But, and I, enj- yeah. I enjoyed The Man Who Barbecued Himself. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Yeah. But yeah, those little bits were too few and far between.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's some, like I guess yeah. Carpenter said too, he, unlike the first film... He wanted to, because what's focused, I like, guess, all on the men dealing with this, this mm-hmm. version was supposed to focus on the point of view of the woman dealing with her mm-hmm. children being like this. And again, I think that's another thing entirely undercut by the yes. uh, butchery of the film. Because there is still some of it there, particularly with Linda Kozlowski's mm-hmm. character, um, but they yeah. just totally undermine the entire thing.
2: The, the second half become Christi, becomes Christopher Reeves' story, and I get it, because he's the star, yeah. but like there was a lot of time paid to the women at the first half when they're pregnant. And it's like, just like society, once they've had those babies, they don't
1: care about
2: them anymore. Nope. Yep. <laughs> You're done being
1: useful. Back yep. to, to the background, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, all right. Logistically, that was another thing that confused me about, not not about the way the movie was filmed, but about the way this town is handling this, is they got nine months, right? to get to get ready for this and what they come up with is a barn for a hospital that's what they came up with it's not like they ever established I mean, at any point that like they're growing rapidly and like maybe a pregnancy instead of nine nine ten months was like shorter so was
2: that because i wasn't sure if that was my misunderstanding of the poor pacing or whether it was did they and, just so pop or was there's it a deleted pacing?
0: scene again Where they're when they're (laughs) doing one of the exams while the women are pregnant, where the 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 baby, Mm -hmm. the infant, the fetus, whatever, it's six months along, even though she's only like three months pregnant.
1: Okay, so they. So there was an
0: advanced kind of growth because that part of it too is like that
1: would
2: make sense. Everybody's
0: seven. All these kids are seven years old, but nobody in the village is aged a day.
2: (laughs) And and it just I could never decide: is this poor pacing, poor editing, lazy effects? Like the other thing,
0: though, to get to Juan's point too about the barn. So originally, you're supposed to be shot on an army base. But one of the big challenges Carpenter had is they had real issues finding locations for this. And maybe the part of it is, like you said, Mm -hmm. where they had um, uncooperating neighbors. But the location (laughs) struggles were very real as well as trying to keep the budget smaller. So that's why they went Mm -hmm. with the barn because they just couldn't, A, find something that would fit, and B, they couldn't afford to build or do something to do it either.
2: Yeah. It works it's, for me. I yeah. thought it was just like we're a very small town. This is a lot of pregnancies. We are making do. The army have come in, and we're making do with what we have.
0: Yeah, and oh, another. I feel Sorry like
1: I was just gonna say if there had been more explanation. Like I, again, I think that's what everything is going to come back to is if they had just said one little thing. But if they had said. These pregnancies are moving along so much faster than normal. We don't have time to bring in what we need. We're just going to triage this and we're going to convert this barn. Then all of a sudden I understand it. But but instead I'm sitting there watching all of these cars just drive in a line somewhere. And then they all park and I go, oh, I guess they're all going to have the babies and nobody carpooled. I don't understand. (laughs) Like, It didn't seem that big of a town that they all need to drive their separate cars there. But again, just like one line would explain it to me. And then I will understand that if you establish the pregnancy is, you know, three times as fast, then I will know that when I'm seeing like a six year old, seven year old, eight year old, that maybe it's only been two years. And I will excuse a bit of why we're flying through Time without ever addressing it. There are no seasons. They don't do any of the movie cliche of like, look, it's Christmas in this one scene and look, it's you know, summer, fourth mm-hmm. of July in the next scene. All of that shorthand exists for a reason. This isn't the first movie to have to explain the passage of time. Like, why?
0: Why? Yeah, I'm putting it all at the feet of Universal, I think. I mean there were some yeah. budgetary oh, yeah. issues like I guess originally in the first script, the first version of the script, not the rewrite. All the women were pregnant. So there were going to be like 30 women pregnant yeah. instead of the 10 or whatever it is. And also, too, there's also another cut scene that uh, I was able to see kind of the, the tests of it. And where when they're all born, right, and, and then mm-hmm. the one gets taken away, they mm-hmm. all stand, all the infants stand up and then look out the window as Kirstie Alley goes oh, to her car. Oh, so creepy.
2: That would been so And Nicotero, good. Yeah. who did the
0: effects for it, Greg Nicotero did all the Walking Dead stuff, right? He He's like, I, to this day, I have no idea why they cut that scene because it looked really good. It was really creepy. That's
1: super creepy. And then that that gets called back to when little David is like, where is she? Mm-hmm. If, if we'd seen that as the little creepy babies, that would have been mm-hmm. better. I also did not believe that that baby was dead. Like at first, I was like... Kirstie Alley's lying she's just gonna take one and she's she's gonna take one from you know presumably teen mom we never really established how old that lady is yeah because she did Um, not
2: look like a teen no shame but she did not look sixteen. no
1: she didn't but they're like she's a virgin and I was like all right so I guess she's like 16 because I don't really understand but I I made that assumption and I figured Kirstie Alley is like a step like you know looking around like which one can I steal a kid from probably this one because She doesn't want to take this on anyway, and I thought she stole that kid, and like it was oh,
2: a absolutely.
0: Laugh. Yeah,
2: yeah. My yeah, housemate watched not... that one scene and left the room then, convinced. And at the end of the movie, she was like, what's the baby alive?" Because
0: you know? they took it to dissect yeah, yeah, it what? to huh? see what was yeah. going on, or they do an autopsy, or whatever. But why did it look the way it did when the rest of them looked like normal? A straight
2: up alien. <laughs> so they said that. In the other towns, all of the pregnancies had failed, and this was one of the oh. first towns where the pregnancies had gone to term and been successful. So I think it was just like a thing that that baby wasn't as strong, or maybe she as a host wasn't as strong for
0: mm-hmm. oh. whatever reason.
2: Because there was definitely a point in which they said it had happened in other places, but the pregnancies yeah. had all not got there. So yeah, but I think it was mostly just so that they could then see the alien baby. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I wish I wish they had done something where like I wish they'd kept that scene in, obviously, where all the creepy babies look to see where the other one went. But it would have been better to make Kirsty Alley like full on evil yeah. villain, beyond beyond the fact that she's wearing like leather gloves and smoking a cigarette when we first see her, wearing like a floor-length coat. I'm just like, What is this evil doctor woman? It was ridiculously over the top and I loved it. But if she had been like honestly killed that baby like took it and was like we're gonna do this and that's why all those kids are like and that's your punishment is you killed one mm. of us and co- did an autopsy and now you're gonna autopsy yourself you lose that connection between what they made her do to herself mm-hmm.
2: so i don't i haven't looked into the book and i'm guessing that neither of you have had the opportunity to read because that storyline is not in the 1960s film Obviously, see because like he said, like, they literally, when she tells him she's pregnant, she's not allowed to say the word pregnant. Mm-hmm. She, like, says some really convoluted thing. Um, so they definitely couldn't show, you know, a dead baby on the screen and someone yeah. taking an autopsy a baby. But I wonder if that was perhaps from the source text and that's why it's yeah.
1: there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just feel like it was, there's so much good stuff there. Now I honestly kind of want to read this book mm-hmm. just so I can, like, use that to fill in the gaps in what I wanted there to be in yeah. the movie.
2: Because there's... And- the movie stuff. fills in so many gaps from the nineteen sixties one. Like that you they you never find out they're aliens in the nineteen sixties ones. They're just weird <laughs> little creepy demon kids. Yeah. Honestly,
1: I thought they were gonna be demon kids. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I was expecting the whole time. And especially at that one point where Kirsty Alley was like her throwaway nonsense line of like, it's too early to be able to tell that kind of thing from DNA testing. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. If you can identify that they all share a parent, you can identify more than all that. Right. But I thought it was going to be, especially based on the title, that they all share a parent and that parent is the devil. Like, that's what I thought was coming. And then they're like, JK, they're aliens. And I was like, oh. Oh, okay. All right.
2: How, let's- <laughs> How did you feel about the weird kind of Dream sequence, Jesus, baby, insemination
1: thing. It, uh, like that dream sequence was. I mean, I know this movie is from 1995, but it was a very 90s music video vibe. <laughs> like it was. Um, uh could have done more. Yeah. Like I, I, I didn't understand it. I was like, and they when they're having the dream and they're showing the women dreaming, like they don't appear to be having a wonderful dream. So. Yeah. that like in th- when they show us what they're dreaming I get that the implication is keep this baby you're forming a connection you feel like you have to you know carry on and that's a self-preservation move by alien babies but they look like they're having a nightmare <laughs> and that's that's a weird disconnect to me
0: when well, the original script I believe that it's they're all all the women are around in a circle holding hands and looking at this hole in the ground and then a bunch of like uh, ants pour out, and then like a devourer, a bird oh. or something like that, and they pick it clean Ew. and stuff. Is it ants? I can't remember. I don't like, and then this I don't big like that, orb it. thing shows up above them and shines, and then like moans this guttural kind of sound. And it's and they all look up at it, and I think then they all wake up or something. I don't know. It was supposed to be a little weirder.
1: They also could have, uh, especially with, I think Melanie is her name. The the chi- the child. It's just the daughter of the other couple who are having one of the babies. I, I am you so confused as M- to why not even Mara, pro-
0: Christopher Reeves' kid, the leader? No. no,
1: no, I'm talking about the one, one the, of the women the who has a baby. Oh, oh the Meredith, so. Meredith, the who has the Yeah,
0: the, the uh, teen virgin one. Well, yeah. yeah,
1: I think she, I think her name's Melanie. Yep, it is. So she has the stillborn child. If we're going to have a whole preacher Mark Hamill in town, why are we never going to say that? Maybe this is a miracle, and she's having a virgin birth. Like literally, there's a man in, like, there's a clergyman in this movie, and he not once, never once, is like, maybe it's miracle. Like she's crying in the church. Well, I think, and he'd be like, th- they just skip. so again, much of I what I think he-
0: that was part of his wife was supposed to be a little more fanatical about that stuff and think that there was some kind of religious awakening, and that was either not made it into final script or was cut but she supposedly goes a little crazy about all of that his wife and that it is some yeah, type yeah i of
1: didn't even thing but again understand that was his wife for a while because Same. i i saw the caller and was like well he is Catholic. A, a, Right. And I was like, so he doesn't have right. a wife. So and then I also made an assumption based on that woman's haircut and was like, she was just a random single woman in town. And so <laughs> he's lady. paired up with her. Yeah, I was like, um, sure. And I didn't think that was his wife. I didn't get that until much later in the movie where I was like, oh, it happened to him, too. Again,
2: we're not exploring that. I want to I know I saw lots of reviews saying that he was really poorly miscast. I actually yeah. wanted far more of his creepy priest. I really yes. wanted creepy priest screaming about them being the devil, warning yes. them all of the heathens from the devil children. Because the thing yes. for me as well, again, where we're not sure about the passage of time, this takes place over. Mm-hmm. They they reference a bit that like loads of people have left, and you see that the town. Yes. Is like it's like yeah but it was like i loved how they were just still letting the kids do whatever they wanted and mark <laughs> hamill was the only one that was like maybe we shouldn't look after them and maybe we should kill them because like they just yeah. keep killing people and i loved yeah. that people kept still challenging them i was like cool so they killed everyone that's ever tried to challenge them That right. you think you're gonna okay sure you know and was- then they're shocked when they get killed I know it,
1: it, re- it made me think of that episode of the twilight zone with like the little kid with played by Billy Mummy and he wishes him into a cornfield. he he's got, he's like, you're thinking bad thoughts. And he like does the same kind yeah. of thing. Right. Except for he uses like weird creepy powers to do things to them. But like, because of that, and this is one you know, 28 minute episode of television. The whole time, all of the adults around him are like, "That's a that's a real good thing that you did. We love it." We're d-. and that is creepier than people being like, "You crazy kids, you better stop it." And then something bad happens to them. Like th- this, I don't mean it the way it's going to sound, but it seems like they're asking <laughs> for it. The way they're starting <laughs> trouble with these little demon children. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's it I again, like it's creepier to see a whole bunch of adults yeah. bend capture their yeah. entire existence to make sure these children's these cold, creepy children stay happy. That's way more creepy than like yelling at them. And it would also make Buck Flower, welcome back, as Your our boy. friendly drunk. Um it would also make him being like, You kids are monsters. it would make that more impactful if everybody else was like being so nice to them and afraid of them (laughs) so many things I want them to change
0: so what do you think (laughs) i think one of the more interesting decisions in this film for me is how Carpenter just is like I'm to hell with typecasting I'm putting Superman in this movie I'm putting Luke Skywalker (laughs) in this movie and I'm putting Rebecca Howe Mm -hmm. in this movie Right? They were all <laughs> famous for doing different things yes. and potentially typecast. Yes. And Carpenter's like, I think they'd be good for this role. I want a minute. And then they're here. So, who do you think, what yeah. do you think of that? And then, who do you think equates themselves the best out of the three of them? Allie, Hamill, or Reeve?
2: I think Allie worked. I think she worked as like, bitch, Doctor Woman. Mm. Like, I, did, I didn't <laughs> think, I, I felt like that suited her greatly. Um, I don't know how much of her work I've actually seen. Like, I know her for being famous. I don't know how much I actually know her for being an actress. Well, at the time, um, she was
0: mm-hmm. massive because she had taken over for Shelley Long on Cheers, which was like one of the, oh, if yeah. not the number one comedy sitcom on television. So it was like a big deal. And yeah. she big deal. had a premiere in Star yeah. Trek Two. right? That's kind of when she started. Yeah. So, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I love shaking off. Typecasting mm. and giving people who you know are names and faces a chance to do something completely different from the thing you know them for, but I feel like out of all of them, kind of she is inhabiting that role the best, probably because it's the juiciest. Again, she has leather gloves, like, and they don't look like leather; they look like latex, yeah. but like black. Like, and then she's just smoking in the clinic. <laughs> she's, That's like, a different
0: time. She's
1: wild. She's really. Yeah, so I preferred her the most. I felt again. I think probably Christopher Reeve. There was a lot more there that we just either bypassed or cut. Yep. That that would have given him some more more emotion and more emotion.
2: Very thankless. It's like I am concerned, husband. I am concerned, dad. I am hero. The yeah. end. Yes. So.
1: <laughs> yes. I am doctor. I am dead. Yeah, I don't think
0: he doesn't really, I don't know if like a better term, kind of come alive until the end of the film. That final act, I think is when he's really finally able to shine. But like you said, Claire, I think there's probably a bunch of stuff beforehand uh, that would have really helped solidify his character that we just didn't get.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I want to talk about the creepy children.
0: Okay.
2: (laughs) I will say I enjoyed the creepy children. Yeah. Well done. Well done on the creepiness. Children.
1: The HBIC had bitch in charge little girl. She's she's on that Disney Channel movie, The Color of Friendship, where they're it's in the 70s, and I guess they sort of in a, some small way solve apartheid because she has an interracial friendship, and that's nice. And well, I remember seeing
2: solving racism all the yeah. time, oh, constantly,
1: constantly. <laughs> so I recognized her even as a little child. I was like, no, I know who that is, I know that, I know that girl between her. And teeny tiny little David. I thought they did a great job being like creepy little children, but not blank slates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I fully read them as sociopaths and not yeah. as like robot voices or anything like, whew.
2: Yeah. They were Teethy sinister. Like they had this sinister kind of edge to them. Yeah. I don't was- Shout out to whether it was Carpenter or the original screenwriter or whoever in the, nineteen sixties film, it's David who's the ringleader. So I like that even in the nineties they were like, Let's switch up those gender norms. Let's have the girl be in charge. Yeah, like that. I like it. Good
1: choice. I do want to know where they got their weird little grey matching outfits, like Look good, though. What was what was that process for all those parents where did they did they use like their their powers to just make all their parents order the same weird gray outfits from like the Sears catalog? What was the process?
2: Oh, yeah, they definitely like all <laughs> mind powered their parents to all go to the same shop on the same day. And then they all just like this. one, Yes. And give them the same haircut. And yeah,
0: you know, they bleached yeah, all their hair. Just... They didn't wear wigs.
1: I did, I've read that and was like, wow, child safety, that's fun. Yeah, not okay. They also had very heavy makeup on those children, because in all of those close-ups, they look like dolls. Like, which, again, effective, but couldn't have been fun for those children to be going through that.
0: I guess initially, too, they all were going to have black eyes. They're gonna wear contacts, but I guess,
2: oh, but they're little that kids they be could, yeah it was little really kid. bad, yeah, they and they're like, you know what
0: they are gonna do the effect when they use their powers anyway. It doesn't matter, let's not do it, but that was originally the yeah. plan
1: the, well, they, the they go a little bit <laughs> yeah they they've been through plenty um the one the little girl playing uh was it Mara is that her mm-hmm. name h b i c baby Mara that little kid was weird looking, like, mm-hmm. scary, just immediately. Ooh, she spooked yeah.
2: me. And I liked the tension in the scene with the arm and the suit. Loved that tension. Like, that's why, mm-hmm. like, the film as a whole, is a. it's not even a mess, it's just missing something. But yeah. small little instances like that scene are well-directed, so it is, like you say, Chris, it must just be studio interference that chopped off, because I can imagine... If a small scene like that of her burning her arm can be so like, oh god, she's going to do it. Oh no, tension building. There must have been mm-hmm. so many more that just got you.
0: Yeah, I when I stopped watching this before I started doing any research on it, I was like, man, <laughs> this is an example of when a workman like director, like carpenter, then just kind of becomes a pedestrian director, mm-hmm. and it's everything. It just the film has no like a life to it, and mm-hmm. then I'm like, man, I guess this is the beginning, right? This is when things unfortunately start to go downhill a bit. Then I'm yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there's any chance we'll ever see like a director's cut version or some assembly cut. And Carpenter's not into that kind of stuff. So we'll never see it on his end.
2: I do respect that though. He's just like, this is the product that got made. Yeah. That's the yeah, product. That's yeah. And I'm sure
0: Universal yeah. doesn't have any of the deleted scenes anymore. I'm sure all that stuff is gone. So I mean, if it was, I'm sure have it would have been on my collector's edition Blu ray if it, if mm. it existed. So. Yeah yeah disappointing
1: we need we need somebody to to like animate the the you script know. you yeah. know how some 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 people put kind of those compilations together is like here's what what scene should have gone in mm-hmm. here and then all together you get something good so yeah because there's you know especially like that that whole pot scene is very yeah. creepy and then just yeah you just and leave different parts goes to put it the back story back in
0: after oh. <laughs> oh, it <was> a <laughs> it's a nice time
1: oh. Oh, it was brutal. <laughs> brutal. Especially with how, like, the little girl, like, her eyes are so big. Yeah. And she's so little that she, like, she doesn't say anything. <gasps> no. They're creepier as little babies. hmm Yeah. Should we talk about Christopher Reeve just a little bit? Ugh. Because this was the last film. It was his last theatrically released film. And it was the last movie that he made before he was paralyzed. So oh like a month after the movie came out yeah it was a so
0: that was a big thing for me so
1: sad yeah yeah.
0: because 1995 so i, I would have been i was 20 and i grew up watching those superman mm. films and they're a huge part of my yes. youth and uh when that happened to him it just it was devastating for me because i you know it was such a big yeah. part of my life as a kid and it's just too bad especially for them to I think he delivers a good performance in this film that was just hacked to bits. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. It's just... I don't know. Every time I think about it, I just get sad. Sorry.
2: And it's... No, it's... And it's interesting because I only know him as a paraplegic because I was five in 1995. Yeah.
0: So, oh, like, I had not God, seen... God, he just did that on Dad. purpose. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, I'm always the oldest person on a podcast, so that was really nice for me to be able to do for once. I podcast with fucking baby 20 year olds, so this is nice for me, I'm with grown ups. <laughs> um But, so I only know him as that, and it's been. I, I've only really gone back and watched, I think, Superman 1 and Superman 2, or Superman and Superman 2 to be correct. Um, so, it was nice to see him in a different role like this, mm-hmm. but it. Like it sounds like you know it's very against typecast. So it's such a shame to see like where would he have gone after this? What else would he have done? Would he have tried similar roles? Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Wish wish we had more of his his character in this, and obviously wish you know we had more of his career as mm-hmm. well. So yeah, I just didn't know timing wise that it was so close to yeah. when all that happened until I was doing doing my research there. So I think we've talked about the remake of it all, the studio interference, all of those things. So is there anything else we should talk about before we kind of hop into our regular scheduled programming here?
0: I would just say if you want to see some other Christopher Reeve stuff, independent of Superman, um, the wonderful Somewhere in Time is a beautiful little film with him and Jane Seymour. I don't want to spoil it for you, Ooh. but it's it's a beautiful little sweet romantic drama film.
2: Oh, nice! I'll add it
0: to. And us. then uh, yeah. Death Trap, he plays. He's in. It's quite good in that as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, those are the two uh, I think non Superman kind of highlights for him. So, but if I had to, uh, somewhere in time is just it's wonderful. So check that out. Mm. I, think so. I think the
2: thing for me which that struck me was that this film is very nineties, but. Um you know it's 2023 and films aren't what they used to be and i found myself really enjoying this because it felt like a film again <laughs> even though you know it felt messy and there were issues with yeah. it i was like oh my god it's just a film with people that look a bit normal mm-hmm. and aren't rich and, and are in real, and real places yeah and it's <laughs> yeah i can see texture at the background yeah. <laughs> like it was yeah. just i think there was definitely a part of me that enjoyed it just simply because of the time in which it was made compared to the films I'm watching now.
1: Yeah, there's something to be said about the authenticity of 90s filmmaking. Even though there's a lot of pleated pants.
0: I've complained a lot about mid to late 90s filmmaking, right? So the last few episodes. <laughs> but that's
1: because you're not nostalgic for that's, it.
0: I guess. I'm uh, not sure.
1: It, I mean, not. I'm not saying it's all great. But when when everything you're watching is fake, mm-hmm. it makes you miss when things were real, even if they were mediocre. Mm.
2: And I think that's exactly yeah. it. That, that's exactly yeah. the point I made. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed yeah. it because I knew it wasn't a good film as I was watching it. But I still <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it because I yeah. think I was able to just enjoy the realness and the texture of it.
1: Yeah. Oh, a Fair mediocre movie from the 90s. I will take over a mediocre movie from 2020 any day.
2: Yeah, like this is a hundred yeah. times better than any clip I've seen from Ghosted. <laughs> it does look so bad, doesn't
0: it? It's not great. Uh,
2: Only yeah. heard complaints. Only yeah, heard complaints. Yeah, we did complaints.
0: it on my other show. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah no, it is not great. <laughs> Oof.
1: Oof. They they tried, though. Boy, did those pretty people try. <laughs> <laughs> um so we only have two returning players mm-hmm. to our our cast we've got buck flower as i mentioned back and drunk again uh he's in they live the fog escape from new york and starman and peter jason is also back again playing a grumpy father who thinks he's been cheated on he is back from prince of darkness they live and in, in the mouth of madness and i was reading that well first of all i noticed in the credits he's he's listed as one of the casting directors like, he and Sandy King and a couple of other people are listed. And then I read that he basically, like, helped yeah. the kids learn to act as a unit. <laughs> like, I just, I want to see, is that in the the making of documentary? Like, Peter Jason corralling a bunch of There's no ponds? way, yeah, like- it's not,
0: he, they talk about it. There's a couple of kids are in it, and yeah. then he's in it, and they talk about how, like, he would, he played them, like, a military anthem drill thing, and he would get them all to walk <laughs> and step, you know, and oh turn gosh. their heads all at the same time together, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, he did all that. Good
1: luck as well, because they did it really yeah. well. Yeah. They, especially for, like, you know they're little kids, yeah.
0: Little yeah. piss ants. Um,
2: yes. I I,
1: <laughs> I I don't know how much you're going to have to say about this since it's not our usual stuff, but Chris, what are what are what might you have to say about the score for Scalzo's Score Corner?
0: I will say that his separation from Alan Howarth has really been weighing on me for these last few films. Mm. I think that yeah, it's unremarkable at best. And I think there's some touches of Carpenter here in the sense, but I think what it is is I've come to realize getting deeper and deeper into this show is that he was much more like hands-on creating the scores himself. And then after that, he switched to, well, here's some ideas. Here's a couple notes Mm. and some themes and then create something around that. And I just think that I don't know how engaged he is with it at this point with these They'll have a yeah. couple things, right? And But then that'll be it. And then the last couple mm-hmm. scores, as I said, I I think I'm being kind of saying, they're unremarkable. They don't really do much yeah. to set tone or mood. They don't do anything to really elicit any emotion, uh, particularly in Village of the Damned. So, yeah, it was a, a, a disappointment for me.
1: I felt like the beginning in particular, I don't. I can't really say that I was even aware of much score as the movie continued. But in the very beginning, before the blackout happens, I was like, this sounds like seventh heaven. Like this sounds just like sitcom, emotional resolution guitar, yeah. like just like weird strumming. And I was like, this is giving TV movie all day. It was, it was yeah, it's, like, if you had told me that this was on television, I would have
0: fully. Yeah, it's, it's, the synth sound at that point became, again, I'm overusing this word but it was, very, it was very sanitized sound. There was no real. Yeah. It sounds much more robotic. Um, there's no. I don't know how to put it, There's no warmth really in it anymore. It's just very artificial and it feels that way.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: I mean, someone could turn around and say, well, he's trying to emulate the fact that these baby is so cold and distant. Mm. But I doubt that was yeah. actually <laughs> the intention.
0: No, yeah. I would, I would reject that can, for sure. Yeah. We can...
1: <laughs> I was like we could just say it no Chris says no Um, so let's kind of uh, well, let's talk about who gives our favorite performances in this movie of what is there you know that that's again that's the tough part is there's so much emotional stuff and character development that was removed or just cut before it could even be filmed Um, so Chris do you want to go first and say who, who's your fave I
0: I guess I'm going to go Christopher Reeve. I think some of the moments in the beginning with him and his wife are are touching, and they have some nice emotional connection there. And then he, the emotional core of the film, is then sidelined for about sixty minutes. And then when he's back in the barn with his daughter and the rest of the kids, you know, trying to resist their intrusion into his mind and his reactions, his you know, all of that stuff, I think he sells it. And it really worked for me. So I'm yeah. going to go with uh, Christopher Reeve.
2: Okay.
1: Claire, what do you got?
2: I'm going for Thomas Decker, who played little David. Um, David! I thought, you know, he had command of the screen mm-hmm. for someone so young. He was able to do all the creepy in-step with the other kids things, but then also do the sad little lies to be a bit like, I'm not like them, and I'm a bit yeah. odd. And I just love that he was smaller than them all. Like, there was something almost a little bit wrong with him, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was he was a little cute. He just brushing his hair like, yeah. Mom, I can do things for myself. It was it was yeah. cute while creepy. So and he's yeah.
0: one of the John Connors, Definitely. right? Yeah, he's a
2: is he? Yeah, he
0: played uh he was on the Sarah Connor Chronicles, the the Fox show. Oh and, and he unfortunately he participated in that uh nightmare on Elm Street reboot. When Jackie Earl Haley um, played Freddy. I thought you
2: were going to say something way worse. <laughs> I, am, I am going to watch that one day, though. I want to see the remake. I want to, I want to see what that's all
0: about. It is, it's frustrating because I actually think Jackie Earl Haley is good as Freddy. I like him as Freddy. And I'd like to have seen another film in that role. But the film itself around him, it's just not good. And it screams kind of cash grab. It's not It's not good at all. Yeah. Oh.
1: Uh my my favorite performance in this film, I already I already mentioned her. Uh I liked Little Mara, Lindsay Hahn, HBIC of uh the children. I just thought she had command of her, her creepiness. <laughs> so she was she was my favorite. Um see so yeah. So okay. Rating time. For the movie, um, this is the, the movie itself overall. It's basically the same as a letterbox scale, but for season three, we rate it on a synth scale. So it is uh, one to five, half synths are allowed.
0: There you go. There's your Village of the Damned sample. <laughs> I think we broke Kate, uh, Juan's mind there for a second there.
1: <laughs> I was like, the children uh... are here. No.
0: So you're—is you're, it me? You're yeah. asking me.
1: I don't know. Do you want to go
0: first? No, I'm fine. I don't have to.
1: You, do you... is it because I I
0: intruded? <laughs> is, that, is that the problem? No, you I was, know what? I That's just I caca. was already calling That's kaka. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I, I will go ahead and, okay. and go first. Then, how about that? So, um, I just uh, want to quote the San Francisco. San Francisco Chronicle because they called it a trip to the village of the da- darned tedious <laughs> like, mm. um, but then they also said it was some of the dumbest character writing grace Grace's silver screen I don't think it was all quite that bad but I'm I'm gonna give it a two mm. out of five. Um, it's not as interesting to me as In the Mouth of Madness, which I gave a two mm-hmm. and a half. Mm-hmm. But it's nowhere near as bad to me as Memoirs of an Invisible Man, so, and then I gave a one and a half. So this falls squarely for a two. It's not unwatchable. If you use your imagination, you can fill in what could have been there. And then the creepy shit is creepy. So that's uh that's what I got um chris now would oh, want okay. to go so that our guests can go that'd last? be wonderful
0: uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i'm with you it's a dose as they say in uh Canada. <gasps>
1: what we never match. yeah no
0: we are we do this time though it's a two i don't uh yeah it's 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 a mess and oh. i think that the like i said i, I put it at the feet of uh, universal i i wonder if there could have yes. been something really interesting and engaging and terrifying in this and instead we get this so it's a two
1: yeah Yeah.
2: Claire, what's your score? I'm going to completely skew this. I gave it a 3.5. Really? Okay. I just, like, that's way overrated. And on a rewatch, it would definitely go down. But I just, (laughs) not knowing anything about it, having not seen the trailer, not seen the movie, I just really Mm -hmm. enjoyed myself. I was engaged because I didn't know where it was Mm -hmm. going. And I didn't know if they would be aliens. And, you know, the acting was fine, the kids were Mm -hmm. good. You know, it was competent filmmaking, I think is what I would yeah. call it. You know, everything makes sense, even with a dodgy cut. And so, you know, I found myself enjoying myself, and that's mostly why I gave it the extra half. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I uh, surprisingly good time. Had Bunny. There you
1: go. Wow. <laughs>
2: that's fair. That's fair. So
1: our next rating that we're doing is special, just for the carpenter season. So as, oh, wait, as well, we gonna know... Oh, I'm going to take my headphones
0: off while you say it. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, just just earmuffs, Chris. Um. (laughs) It's literally covering his ears. So some of John Carpenter's movies are passion projects. Some of them are ideas that he had that he wanted to bring to the screen for years. And some of them are just a gig. And so on a scale of zero to ten, how many fucks did John Carpenter give? about the making of this film. Chris, would you like to go first now that you've unplugged yes.
0: your uh, I'm going I'm gonna okay. revisit the uh, number five. I think that he <gasps> they asked him to do it and he said all right well, I get to make he did it <laughs> creature of the black lagoon which I really want to do so I will get this yeah. done. So that's a five for me.
1: Chris, I also have a five boom can you believe wow. it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah I also I gave it a five I and I noticed this this time is that so his name appears above the credits again which sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't depends on the involvement but it came off really quick so it's like <laughs> John Carpenter's Village of the Damned and then John Carpenter disappears and Village of the Damned is still there and I was like what is that about so I feel like that was that was a little sus that was a little telling and then um in a 2011 interview, he did describe the film as a quote contractual assignment that he was really not passionate about. So you don't yeah, say. Con- confirmed there. May- maybe if he had dialed it up to like a higher number, he would have gotten Creature of the Black Lagoon. But no, probably not, because I think the Universal would have still screwed it all up probably. for him. So we again we match with a five. Claire,
2: how many fucks do you think he gave for this movie? I was going to go six, but I'm going to come down to five with you guys, because you guys know more than me about Mr. Carpenter. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't think he didn't give a fuck, because, like I say, he's right. got somewhat decent performances. Mm-hmm. There is yeah. some continuity. It, it's very, like, say, proficient cookie-cutter filmmaking. This could have been a made-for-TV lifetime movie. Um, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with those films. Um, you know, I, I need to watch something while I have my early bird dinner. There you go. But, yeah, so probably yeah, at five <laughs> as well. He just was there. He cared enough to do it, but didn't care enough to, you know, go above and beyond. And that's okay. I'm tired of going above and beyond too.
1: (laughs) We need to celebrate competency because... What was it? Quiet quitting? Maybe he was just quiet quitting. (laughs) He started the movement of quiet quitting. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Fives all around. Awesome. So... Thank you Claire. Thank you for for watching this movie, for going on this little journey with us, for coming back to screen run again. Um especially enjoy how how you really do look at every film as like let's find the merit. Let's let's what can we celebrate here? Because every film is an accomplishment. Like just the fact that it got done and we can see it. Um you know. RIP girl. Yeah. like just being able to see the movie yeah. we have that so um
2: it's just a really great PR spin on my poor taste <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know what as a communications professional I celebrate that for you yeah. that's that's good branding Thanks. that's very good um so where where can everybody at home check out your podcast where can they follow you all that good stuff
2: uh, so you can find W Rated at uh, all your good podcast providers and over on Twitter at W Rated Pod. And I'm on Twitter at Claire Ellen Hope, uh, Claire with no I, where I, every weekend, complain that Taylor Swift has still not announced European tour dates. you C- guys <laughs> C- in America! Sorry. <laughs> <gasps> it's only because I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't see her in America because I spent so much money seeing her in America last time, and she played in UK exactly a week later. So I was like, oh, that was just that was just so silly. And um, whereas now I'm like, well, fuck this. Um, so yeah. yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of that. Um, sometimes That's I complain her. that the free snacks I get at work aren't good enough, <laughs> um, and I then watch really old TV shows that no one cares about and share my opinions of them. yeah it's great content yeah please oh yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely a must follow so get on get on that everybody um you can follow us on twitter at screen run i'm at the lady one and chris is at cg scalzo you can find screen run wherever the podcasts are and on our website screenrun.fun you can leave us a review please give us a rating five stars please uh tell your friends and like i said before tell your dad and your dad's neighbor hi jim I'm gonna see you tonight, so like, if you don't say hi, it's gonna be awkward. So yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Next episode one, we'll be back again. We'll be discussing Escape from L.A. and Joe from Real Spoilers is coming back after Escape from New York. He's ready for the sequel. It's so, the first time we've. It's gonna be a, good. A,
0: yeah, you know, what a, a return guest in the same season. So it's
1: in the same season, I know, unprecedented.
0: He better bring it. I bring I it, it, Joe. Continuity.
1: I'm
2: pleased to
0: Yes, thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was his idea, man. He was like, "Who you got? I'll come. I'll come back." And I was like, "Great."
0: Yeah, he's a brick. Thank you for
1: solving my booking. Yeah,
0: he likes that film a lot, so we'll have to see how that shakes out for him.
1: I know. I haven't watched it yet. Mm. (laughs) So we'll see you next time for that one, guys. Bye.
2: You gonna do something, and you gonna ball like all the other little piss ants.